Please do turn with me tonight. My text is found in John's Gospel, chapter 6. We read it earlier, but I read it again. Verse 37, John 6, 37. A sublime verse with two seemingly, but not contradictory sentences. The Lord Jesus says this, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. My title is, None Turned Away. If you try to come to this country and the various ports, airports and ports that ships come into, if you don't have the right documents, you will be turned away. Well, this verse says that none will be cast out. None will be turned away. But it also says something else. It says, only those that the Father gives to the Son shall come to me. Two seemingly contradictory statements. These have much perplexed and confused the church down through the centuries of time. How can it be that only those people, their names, that the Father gives to the Son, will actually come for forgiveness of sin, for salvation, for forgiveness, for pardon, for their guilt and stain to be removed? Only the names of those who are chosen, elect, as the Bible calls it so often, will actually come to the Lord Jesus Christ. But at the same time, the statement says very clearly in the second half of the verse, him that comes to Christ, if you wait, if you hunger, if you thirst, and you come to him, he will turn nobody away. Is that a contradiction? The technical word, and I don't think we need to know this, but I say it out of interest, is antimony. Two statements which seem or are contradictory, and yet we bring them together. When you think of a railway, there are two lines. As you look down the line, you can see that the two lines are separate. But as you go right into the distance, It's as though the two tracks merge into one. It's been said about this verse, these are two friends who don't need reconciling. The paths don't cross, the tracks don't conflict, not in the slightest. I'm told in Ukraine, in the port of Odessa, there is a huge set of steps It's very impressive. Normally when you look up a big set, 50, 60, 100 steps, as they get to the top, they seem to get closer. It's an optical illusion. But these steps in the port of Odessa, in Ukraine, are deliberately deceiving. They're built so that they remain parallel in the eye. They actually converge. At the top, they're wider 
than the bottom. Well, there's no convergence here or divergence. The two truths are absolutely true. And the Bible is the testimony to that. And this is one of those verses where they come side by side as two friends. The first expression, all that the Father gives to me, is what we call sovereign grace. It's a work of God. God is the only person that can draw me and you, a sinner, to Christ. We can't draw ourselves to him. Christ Jesus came into the world. He came to his own, and his own rejected him. He came to the world, and the world hated him. And we are the world. We didn't love him. We were enemies in our minds. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The just one for the unjust ones. That's me and you if you trust in him. Sovereign election. That's what the Bible teaches cover to cover. Esau, Jacob. Esau have I hated. Jacob I've loved. It's only right that God should choose out of the billions of sinners that have broken his laws, not according to whether we are good or whether he desires us, for there's no good thing to make us attractive to him. It's only right. He made us. He owns us. He created us. He has a right and a pledge upon us. He tells us we're all born into sin. We're shaped in iniquity. He says that I'm dead in trespasses and sins before Christ comes and the Holy Spirit works in my heart. He says none are good. No, not one. That's comprehensive. You see, I can't decide. I can't choose when viewed from God's perspective because I don't desire him. I don't love him. Before I became a Christian, age 16, I thought I was good enough. I thought I could earn heaven. But Christ had to break my heart. He had to humble me. And until that day when God would work within my heart, I was far away. Look at verse 42. Is there a clearer verse in the whole of the Bible that explains this? If you don't believe in election and God's sovereign grace, read John 6, 44. No man, no woman, no child can come to me, Christ Jesus, except or unless the Father which hath sent Christ draw him. Isn't that a lovely expression? Draw. Draw. Not force, not bludgeon, not coerce, not emotionally manipulating through funny lights and music, but the Father 
should so set his love upon an individual that maybe slowly or maybe quickly we would be drawn to Christ and we would see in him all that we would need for time and for eternity. We would see in him the life, the life that we should live and that we don't live. And we would see in him the salvation that we desperately need, the forgiveness of sin. We would see in Christ all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And we would see in him the life that we desire. Oh, it's an extraordinary term, drawn. He puts his love upon a lost sinner and he says to that heart, come to me, come, come. He draws with words. He draws with love. Sometimes he operates in circumstances of life when everything seems dark and empty, we've lost a loved one, we have an illness, we have a tragedy, an addiction, and we're broken. And he says to us, surely there must be more to life. And he draws us. No man comes to the Son unless the Father draws him. What lovely words. Let's go back to our text. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, because the Father will draw them to the Son. That's the sovereign work. We call it sovereign because it's God, God, God. It's none of me. It's all of him. Never ever think you worked it out. You found him. He comes and finds you. Oh, he's so gracious. He puts it in the Bible as though we have a choice. He puts it in the Bible as though we can hear him. But really it's the operation of the Holy Spirit to make us hear, to make us see. A dead man can't walk, and I'm described as dead before I come to Christ. A deaf person can't hear. A blind person can't see. They must be given sight, hearing, and life. That's the picture throughout God's word. Well, the second phrase is the counterpoint. You see, people have so often gone so wrong. They've said, it's all of God, and we have no responsibility to listen, to come, to be drawn, to hear, to respond. And so it says in this verse 37, Him that comes, we need to come. We only come because we're drawn, but him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Do you know the translation here in our old version is so accurate he will in no way, no wise, cast out. He won't drive one person away. If you go to a food bank in Bedford tonight, you'll probably have to show some form of identity. But if you come to Christ seeking spiritual food, 
the bread of life, the bread of heaven. He will turn nobody away, never drive anyone away. Well, three points, just briefly tonight. I want to speak about the hunger that's in this chapter, the seeker's hunger, the Savior's grace, and then the Savior's guarantee. This chapter is one of those that contains the several feeding of many thousands of people. Here in this chapter it's called the feeding of the 5,000. It was probably many more. There was children and women as well. But it's a chapter about feeding. People that are desperately hungry and the Lord sees their need. In Matthew's Gospel, the same passage at the beginning of John 6, the disciples saw the people, 10,000 maybe, and they said to Christ, send them away, cast them out, drive them home. This is a desert, and it's late in the day. Send them away. And you know the Lord Jesus says these few words in English, give them to eat. He wouldn't send 10,000 people away. He would do an extraordinary, supernatural, divine miracle, a demonstration that he is the Son of God, divine and yet human, and he would feed them so abundantly that they gather up 12 baskets, verse 13, five barley loaves, remained over and above unto them that had eaten. The Lord, when he feeds us spiritually, he doesn't just fill us. He gives us abundant life. There were some hungry people here. They were desperately hungry. They'd been with him all day. Every time we see a need in the Gospels, it's speaking of a physical need, but of a spiritual need. This chapter is really about need. Verse 2, disease. Those who needed healing. Disease. Verse 5, the people who were hungry. And verse 19, a people who were frightened, fearful, afraid. Isn't that us? We have a spiritual need, a hunger. Our life will never satisfy unless we're fed by Christ, the bread of life. And we are diseased with a sin-sick disease, and we need to be healed. And we're fearful of life and death and Satan and hell. And we need that fear take, taken away. Look at verse 20, just by Passing, what does he do with those fearful? He says, it is I. Be not afraid. That's all they needed. The presence of Christ. Do you know him? Do you know his presence? The one that feeds, the one that heals, the one that comes alongside and takes all fear away. Oh, these people. This whole chapter is about hunger. Again and again he goes back. He's used 
the illustration of the actual miracle through the chapter. That's why I had to read so many verses tonight. Look down at verse 27. Labor not for the meat, the food, which perishes. You had bread and fish. Stop fishing, you fishermen. Those fish, they'll make a bit of money in the market, but you need the meat, the fish, that I will give. Look, he's using it as an illustration. Labor not for the meat which perishes, but for the meat which endures unto everlasting life. You don't need bread and fish. You need me, Christ. That's what you need in your life. The need is not food. It's not healing of sickness. It's not the removal of earthly fear. You need Christ. It is I. What comforting words to us tonight. And he goes on to tell them, as they've remembered about the manna in the wilderness when the children of Israel were again miraculously fed, a demonstration that God is God and he can do miraculous things, he gave them, verse 31, bread from heaven to eat. But that was just physical bread. If they didn't gather it the next day, it had disappeared. They weren't allowed to gather two days except before the Sabbath day. Then he comes to them, verse 32, and he says, I say unto you, Moses didn't give that bread. No, that came from me. I've always been the bread of heaven. I am the bread of heaven, and I will be the bread of heaven that feeds. Are you hungry tonight? Is there someone here? You've got a spiritual hunger. Life isn't quite working out the way you wanted it to. You feel there's something missing. You're hungry spiritually. You don't really understand it and know it, but that hunger pain, the Holy Spirit's putting it there into your heart so that you begin to desire Christ, the seeker, begins to have a hunger and a thirst. That's what Christ says. Look at verse 35. Jesus says to them, the crowd, I am the bread of life. Could there be a clearer statement? After he's given them so much food, after he's explained about their hunger, he that comes to me shall never hunger. And he that believes on me, this isn't physical, it's spiritual, shall never thirst. The seeker's hunger. Well, let's look at the invitation. Just notice how many times the word come or cometh or came is used in these verses. Verse 33, for the bread of God is he which comes or cometh down from heaven. Then in verse 35, he that comes to me shall never hunger or thirst. And verse 37, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that comes to me 
shall I in no wise cast out. I'm over here, far from God. That's my state before I became a Christian. I don't talk to him. I don't walk with him. I don't love him. I don't live for him. I'm far away. And the word of the gospel is come. It's very interesting here. There's actually three words in the Greek without getting technical. We could translate it slightly differently so we get the meaning. He that comes to me, all the Father gives to me shall arrive at me. Him that is on the way to me, a process over time, for some of us gradual, over months, I will in no wise cast out. I don't know tonight. We have many that believe in Christ and some that don't. Some haven't yet believed on Christ. But those of us who have, some of us came one day. It just made so much sense. I saw Christ. I saw my need. I repented of my sin. And I came and exercised my faith in Christ. But it's not like that for everybody. That's what this verse 37 says. It says, Him that is on the way to me, I will not cast out. For I am come down not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. You see, Christ sees. Do you remember the prodigal son? In that far, far away land, eating the pig food, and then it ran out, and there was such a dearth in the land, he was so hungry, and he thought of his father, had so much food in a big house, so many pigs, so many animals, so much meat, and here am I starving. What happened? The Father comes out because the Son is on the way to the Father. And the Father doesn't wait till the Son gets home. He comes and meets him. And he won't turn him away. He won't push him out. He comes and brings him. And anyone that's struggling tonight to believe in Christ, Christ will come and meet you. Christ will come and find you. When he was still a good way off, the father comes and finds the son that's lost and who would have him. Why should you come to Christ tonight? Do you know? Because he calls. It's a command. Come, come, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden. That's not a polite request. It's a command. Do you know if you don't come tonight... Any child listening, any adult that sat here for 10, 20 years, you are disobeying your Creator. He says, come. He doesn't force you. He doesn't bludgeon you. He says, come. Come to me. And anyone that comes to me will never hunger and will never thirst. Why should I come? Because he calls.
and he commands. And you know a second reason? Your spiritual needs are far greater than even you realize tonight. The Bible says you're unclean, you're lost, you're in danger, you're homeless, you're like a shipwreck. The Lord is the only one that can clothe you, give you a home, find you, put you in a sound mind. Your spiritual needs are great. And thirdly, why must I come? Because God has got a plan for your life that's so much better than your and my plan. Do you know you don't know who you are until you know Jesus Christ who made you. And you don't know how to die until you know how to live. Let me say that again. You don't know how, who you are until you know Jesus Christ who is life. And you don't know how to die until you know how to live. Do you know how to live for Christ? Another reason to come to him is all his promises, so many. If you stay in your sin, you'll be under the power of Satan. You'll be under the judgment of Christ. And that judgment won't go away. It will fall on that great accounting day on every life unless you've come for forgiveness. And you know the judgment for you and for me, if we've trusted in Christ, has fallen on Christ because he's taken the punishment for my sin. But there's a catch here. I can't skip over it. There were those in verse 36 listening to him. Those who were hungry, those who were thirsty, those who'd seen him heal, those who'd seen 10,000 fed. And he says to them, did you notice the catch? Verse 36, but I say unto you, is he looking at them, the Pharisees, the scribes, the mockers, the scoffers, those who were in their own hearts, and he could read them, they were not trusting in Christ. They didn't believe, and he says, those who have seen me and believe not. Do you know he was the greatest preacher? He did more miracles than the rest of the Bible and the prophets and the apostles put together. He is the Son of God. He is divine. He is God. He is man. And yet, despite all the evidence, all the miracles, they wouldn't believe. And I believe there's some here tonight. You may not have seen him with your eyes, but you've seen the evidence of his creation. You've seen the evidence in the word of God. You've seen evidence in changed lives. There's people here tonight that they would tell you if you asked them their lives before they came to Christ were sin-sick and sad. And they were on the road to hell. Why would you stay in your sin tonight? Why wouldn't you come 
Because finally, there is this promise. There is this promise. It's a guarantee. I've called it the Saviour's guarantee. Anybody that comes in prayer, by faith, repenting of their sin, he won't turn you away. Whosoever will may come and drink of the waters of life freely. I want to read a verse of a hymn by Joseph Hart. This just gets the essence of this verse. Let not conscience make you linger. Somebody tonight feels the guilt, the burden, the the sin. You feel you're too unclean, not good enough. Let not conscience make you linger, nor of fitness fondly dream, thinking that you can earn and deserve and be good enough. That's just a dream, a pipe dream. All the fitness he requireth is to feel your need of him. Isn't that what this verse is about? The Father has given to the Son a vast number of people. The sea Sure, and all its sand are analogous. The stars in the sky are so many, they're analogous to all the Father has given to the Son. But you know, nobody can say, I'm not elect. I might not be saved. I can't come. Because Christ gives this guarantee tonight. I will turn no one, but no one away. If you're sincere, if you hate your sin, and you love Christ, and you want to walk in his ways, he will not push you out. He will not turn you away. For Christ has such love and such compassion. All who come to him, He will not drive away. None shall be turned away tonight or tomorrow until he tells us that time is up and the final one of his children has been gathered in and then he will return in the person of Christ to that day of judgment and there will be that great division All who came to him for life and all who would not believe. Oh, come to him tonight. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank thee for that lovely word, draw. What the Saviour, through the operation of the Holy Spirit, does to all those that the Father has given to the Son, that he went to Calvary and every one that he died for, They will be saved. They will be washed. They will come. They will be united to Christ. And he will turn none away. Hear us then tonight. Send us home rejoicing. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his glory and his sake. Amen.